Why don't you get yourself some nice gabagoo and get your get your crew together? Cause cause it's the pick. Uh, I'm your host, Colin Westman. I'm joined by Johnny Boy. Oh, Sean Lemmy. Yeah, forget about it, <laughs> dude. It's like I'm in. It's like I'm in The Sopranos. This is just what it's like. This is a podcast that's just for the guys. If you're a girl, get the fuck out of here. What's the matter with you? Uh, but yeah, the, this is the pick. This week, we're talking about The Many Saints of yeah. Newark, the prequel to The Sopranos TV show. Uh, this... I believe we'll start a run of episodes where we'll be just reviewing kind of the newest movies coming out in theaters that we've been anticipating since there are a bunch coming out in October because they have been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. But now they're coming. You can't stop them. Just keep pushing me. Can't take it anymore. Uh, exactly. Um, that's my Larry David impression. That's I'm doing Sylvia. No, no, I thought that was like a Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, father. <laughs> that's what I was really going for, but it just didn't come out like that. So, yeah. I feel like we have to establish right away spoilers for all of the Sopranos, right? Spoilers for all mob media. Much. All, all mob media. media. Uh, including Dick Tracy, but I guess we've already spoiled that movie on this podcast. <laughs> Look out for Dick Tracy spoiled. Look out for hey, the Irishman, fucking dies at the end. Uh, maybe you know, actually he's just sitting there in a, in a in a retirement home. He's alive, but Ray know. Romano has a heart attack like in the nineties or something. <laughs> yeah, Joe Pesci. Those are dies. all real people, though. Not that much of a spoiler. See, we're not fucking around. <laughs> fucking around. Except our, our little picks. I feel like that's our time to fuck around. So it's a little bit of fucking around. A little bit. A little uh, bit. Yeah. That's true. There's gonna be a lot of fucking around actually in the little picks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go first. Uh so my little pick is a compilation album. Uh-oh. That I just bought. Whoa! <laughs> uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's called Eccentric Soul, the Capsule label. It is the very first uh, compilation that was put out by the Numero Group label, which does a bunch of reissues. They've done a ton, but apparently this was like their very first release. Came out in two thousand four. I ended up buying it because. Numero Group and like uh, Secretly Canadian and Jag Jaguar and a few other indie record labels that I guess are owned by the same parent company um, did this thing where they went around 
in a in like a giant truck to a bunch of different parking lots in a bunch of different cities across like the midwest and northeast and so they did a stop in philly and i probably would not have heard of this but my friend who's also a record collector uh asked me if i wanted to go and i was like sure and a lot of the stuff there i wasn't really familiar with but she asked like the main guy who was like putting all the records out like what's the good stuff here and and the one that he was like, well, if you buy anything here, you should buy this Eccentric Soul release because it was the first thing Numero Group did and kind of like made them as a reissue company. It's a hot pro tip. Yeah, so I'm glad that uh, she asked him. I would not have. I'm very antisocial when I am buying records. <laughs> uh, so anyways, this compilation is... A bunch of artists that were on this kind of obscure record label based out of Columbus, Ohio, uh, the capital of Ohio, which is why Capsule, the name of the label, is like a, a conjunction of capital soul. And it was like a label that was around in the late 60s, early 70s. I hadn't really heard of any of the artists on it. I guess it was founded by this guy named... Bill Moss, who was a DJ in Columbus and also like a singer, and he actually, uh, some of his songs appear on this compilation. And uh, it's just, it's good. If you're, if you're a soul head, like I am, uh, particularly this era of like late 60s, early 70s soul, it's good stuff. What um, if you're just a fan of like Rag and Bone Man? Like modern soul. Oh, maybe. I don't see why not. But yeah, felt appropriate since we're kind of diving into a movie from that same era that had some some needle drops that are not so different from the music on this compilation. Yeah, when you said compilation, I thought, oh shit, you're going to talk about that Miles Davis album, Birth of Cool, that's they they bring up in the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a compilation album, but Oh, it's not. I thought it was. No, this is just one of his proper albums. I guess you already knew about it. Yeah. Well, I knew about it cuz I learned about Miles Davis from the talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. Oh, is Miles Davis going to enter the three-timers club at any time? <laughs> I don't know if that counts. It's a reference now in three and two movies we've covered. Yeah, that's true. What's another movie where they talk about Miles? Do they talk about Miles Davis in... I was going to say Jerry Maguire because that guy that likes jazz. Hmm. I don't know. I think that guy was into Coltrane, though. Coltrane, okay. <laughs> All right, well, we'll... We just they did that Miles Davis movie right with like Don Cheadle, true. And no one saw totally that maybe came out. Yeah, it came. Don't out. You know what it's called? I remember. Is it, is, 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 it. Does, it, does the title use Miles in it? That'd be pretty. Yeah, funny. it's like Miles Ahead or something. Ugh. That's that's that'd be like if the Johnny Cash movie had been called like Cashing In. Call <laughs> that the death of cool. <laughs> Ouch. All right, I'll go next. Oh, yeah, go go, go for it. 
in honor of a, a very food-centric TV show and sort of food-centric movie, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to follow in John's footsteps and fuck my shit up. Um, so I went to Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on uh, National Taco Day. And got their latest abomination, which is the crispy chicken sandwich taco. Um, if you hadn't heard about this, what it is, is it's a slice of fried chicken and chipotle sauce wrapped in this weird bread. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> This is not like a tortilla. It's in weird bread. It's in the shape of a tortilla, but it's like fluffy bread, like a pita. It's it's well, like flatbread, I guess. Okay. Um, it's weird. Um, you sound like you're getting sick just describing it. <laughs> it's ah uh, man, I think there's two different kinds of it, also. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only got the one. Like on the sign at the at the restaurant, I feel like you can get two of them. So I did. Um, and that is still, I think, not enough to <laughs> satisfy a man's hunger. Um, so if you go to Taco Bell uh, for dinner I would advise getting more than two crispy chicken sandwich tacos even though they are 280 calories each mm-hmm. um, I wish I could be like more revolted by it or like have a, a more shocked take but like it's just like a small you know like it's it's just a very weird chicken slider in the end <laughs> um it, it tastes fun. I mean, it's just fried chicken and chipotle sauce and bread. It's I mean, it's like it's like chicken that's been breaded a couple times with sauce. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why they made it or what they're trying to prove with this weird bread thing. I guess I guess the most controversial thing about it is they call it a sandwich, which you know it's an ongoing debate on the internet about what is and is not a sandwich it's a hot dog a sandwich uh is probably the, the most famous of those debates but is a taco a sandwich is certainly uh a conversation people are having and this blurs the lines even more uh because it's, it's in that weird hot dog slash taco shape but it's weird fluffy bread i don't know i, I don't i don't it doesn't it doesn't seem like a sandwich to me. Um, and I, I believe that's the Judge John Hodgen rule is like you can try to confuse things by coming up with rules, but we all intuitively know what is and isn't a sandwich, right? And this isn't a sandwich. It's like pornography. We know it when we see it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like the Nevermind album cover. Yeah, she sure. is pornography. <laughs> okay. So, Shauna, have you seen the commercials for this? There are commercials? Oh, of course. I I feel like the whole reason this product exists is so that in the commercials they can go, 
It's a sandwich. It's a taco. It's a sandwich. It's a taco. Oh. I think that's the only reason it exists, because like, they came up with a good idea for a commercial. Who's and where did you going? weigh in? It's a taco? Yeah, it's a taco. Doesn't it end with taco? Isn't that the last word in the title? Yes. The, Crispy the, chicken sandwich name? taco. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't end. It doesn't say taco sandwich. It ends with taco. It's a taco. It's Taco Bell. Yeah, it sounds like a taco to me. They should have made it look more like a sandwich. They should have had it be like two... They sh- like they should have put it between two um, like quesadillas or something. Made it look See, more like a... now you're talking Taco Bell. That's exactly... <laughs> they're going to fuck that shit up. But no, they put it in this weird wrap that you can't even describe. I love the act. We got a tortilla, a layer of cheese, another tortilla, a layer of chicken and chipotle, another tortilla, a layer of cheese, another tortilla. So as someone who goes to Taco Bell semi-regularly, I'm talking about myself, would you recommend this to me, Sean? I would recommend it if you're like getting a meal and you're like, I could go for a little, a little extra. You know, (laughs) I skipped lunch today. I just need a little more. So this is like I'm kind of hungry and I'm ordering meal from Taco Bell, but I'm like, ah, oh, the meals aren't enough, and I, then I also get this. Yeah, or I guess I guess it's really it's a, it's a fourth meal thing, which I know is, is actually Taco Bell's like whole business model now. <laughs> that like I, right, right. I'm just getting some food because it's late and I've been drinking. All right, are we ready for my little pick? Yeah, mm, sure. All right, you guys know I gotta talk about it. Everybody's talking about it. the world has spoken. People can't get enough of it. And for my little pick, I'm going with Hot Uncured Capicolo from Boar's Head. <laughs> Guys, this is a quality cut of meat. Um, of course, I'm referring to uh, Gabagoo. Tried it for the first time while watching Many Saints of Newark uh, with Boar's Head brand. And it was everything I wanted it to be. It's, uh, it's the texture of uh, prosciutto, or uh, prosciutto as they call it on The Sopranos. But the flavor of salami, and it says hot uncured. I don't, I don't know if the hot refers to the flavor, because it wasn't spicy or anything, but maybe they're just saying there's a little bit of spice. I'm not sure. <laughs> but this is good stuff. It's expensive. It's like seven bucks, and you don't get that much. Um, and I guess you're supposed to put it on a sandwich. So Tony, I mean, Tony would freestyle. Tony would just eat it out of the fridge usually. But I think on the last episode of The Sopranos, he orders uh, gabagoo on like um, an Italian roll with provolone and peppers, and he doesn't even get, even get to finish his sandwich because then the FBI is like, "Hey, the guy still want to kill you." <laughs> so, kind of a downer note to go out on with gabagoo. But I wanted to try this because it, it's it's such it's so synony- synonymous with the show. But also looking back, for going to Sopranos history a little bit, at least for me, it was kind of the first thing I ever knew about the Sopranos from that <laughs> Mad TV sketch. You guys remember yeah, that sketch? Yeah, definitely. There's that classic Mad TV sketch from the, I would probably guess from 2000, maybe 2001, maybe even 99, probably 2000, uh, where the joke is Sopranos is now going to be on PAX TV. <laughs> So it's going to be edited. They're going to edit out all the swears. So Will Sasso 
is just constantly being censored and scenes are just jumping ahead. Uh, you can still watch this um, segment on YouTube. It's still pretty funny. Like my main takeaway back in the day was just him going, where all the gabagoo? Where's the gabagoo? And that's, you know, as a kid, that is the funniest word imaginable. <laughs> and for many years, all I really knew about Sopranos was gabagoo. So gabagoo is so important. So I'm glad I got to try it. I made a nice little snack platter for many saints of Newark. I'm going to send you guys through Discord a picture of my little snack platter. Uh, the listeners won't be able to hear this. So this is just for us to enjoy. I made a little platter with some mm-hmm. gabagoo. Got some Asiago cheese, some Italian green olives, and pretzel chips, which are not really authentic, but, you know, yeah. it's like you got to have some uh, kind of cracker. Charcuterie board. Very nice. This is this is what I had, but I had it with the worst possible drink. I had it with a Coke Zero coffee. I don't know if you've tried those, they're bad. But I keep forgetting that they're bad. <laughs> Zero coffee, huh? So it has no coffee in it? Like caffeine free? No, it's it's like a, it's like a Coke Zero, but with coffee in it. But yeah, there's my little gabagoo plate. Would recommend. Check it out, Boar's Head. They do fine work up there in, in New York, where they produce their 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 fine products. I got this at Fred Meyer. Uh, so yeah, gabagoo. Not enough of a presence in many Saints of Newark. Sean, why is that? Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because this the only goof I could find for the whole movie uh, is that uh, the star of Many Saints of Newark, Alessandro Nivola, uh, who uh, who plays uh, Dickie Moltisante, is allergic to Capicola. How do you how do you get cast? In so so specific, such a specific thing to be allergic to. Yeah, yeah I mean, what? is it? Is it like he's allergic to it, or is he allergic to like beef or whatever? Like pork. how some people is um, that pork. I guess some people yes, have allergies pork. to certain meats. Maybe it's just that certain part of the pig. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes from the neck. He's just allergic to pig neck. I don't know how that guy ended up in this movie. Um, I, you know, I like I liked him. I thought he was good, but uh, I only know him from one thing, and I didn't even know that I knew him from this thing until I looked it up. Do you guys realize that this is the guy who played Billy in Jurassic Park Three? <laughs> the second lead? No, no, the adult. The adult. Yeah, he's like uh, Sam Neill's apprentice. Okay. He has. I think he has a hand glider scene later. Yeah, uh, he, he like, tries. Yeah, he like parachutes. He has, he has a parachute. He tries to steal uh, the uh, raptor eggs for no reason. <laughs> Great classic character. It's just funny because I remember at the time of Jurassic Park three, I was like, "Who's this guy?" And like, "Oh, he's fine." That didn't hear about him for however many years, and now he's the star of this. I'm like, "Who's this guy?" Oh, yeah, it's the Jurassic Park three guy. Yeah. How did? A little while before I saw this, I watched a kind of long interview that Alan Sepinwall, the TV critic, did uh, with David Chase. I watched this too. Go ahead. Yeah, and in that, David Chase is reasoning for casting uh, Alessandro Nivola was basically just like, you know, I like that guy. How come he never gets cast in 
in good stuff <laughs> or, or as like a lead like eh, why don't I just put him in this as the lead so which was That's for a... me the first big twist of the many saints of Newark that uh, Tony Soprano is not the main character of this movie mm. yeah which I, I guess that. given the title I should have realized uh, that that would be the case but like so much of the advertising has been like who was Tony Soprano before he was Tony Soprano? I mean, didn't they call it like a Soprano story? Many Saints of Sopran- Like Star Wars is stuff. And in that interview, even David Chase is like, I'm surprised like how big they made that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> didn't sound like it was necessarily his idea. I found that interview fascinating. You can watch it on YouTube. Is it with Rolling Stone? That's Alan Seppenwall. Yeah. But I don't remember who he's with. I think, yeah, I think it's Rolling Stone. I think Stone. it's Rolling Stone. Because they do talk about the origin of the project, too, uh, where David Chase was talking to, I believe, Tom Fontana, creator of Oz. They're, like, chatting. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what I was always wondering about is, like, what all those guys are doing back, like, in the 60s, you know, back in, like, the, the riots and stuff. And David Chase always wanted to do a story or a movie about the New York riots. And then, because... Cause yeah, it wasn't for, for the longest time. He was just like, I'm, I'm done with Sopranos. But then that kind of reignited his interest in Sopranos. I was shocked too that he didn't. He said he didn't rewatch it. Hmm. He clearly like remembers it pretty well. And as yeah, someone who's just recently watched the whole show for the first time, like I'm sure, for, I'm for sure there's inconsistencies. But like I didn't notice any glaring ones. I couldn't think of any. Mm-hmm. Don't they so, fully recreate a scene from from the show in the movie? The one where uh, I, where Tony's dad gets arrested at the carnival. That's yeah, yeah. You're right. I I, I think so. Right, right, Colin. I don't know. I wanted to rewatch that episode because <laughs> I know there is a an episode that is like a full flashback to this era. And, and a lot of these characters but I, I didn't get a chance to revisit it um, yeah I, I have seen The Sopranos like twice all the way through but the last time I watched it was like at least five or six years ago but yeah sounds like it's fresher for you I think I mean I don't remember that episode but it does sound really familiar there's definitely an episode where they flash back to around the time of the New York riots mm-hmm I don't know if they show Tony's dad getting arrested, but it, that sounds right. Yeah. So that, that sounds like something that could have happened. Um, but yeah, like as, as someone who just finished the show and liked the ending, which I know it's a controversial ending for many people. Not for us. I think uh, when we did <laughs> Top 10 Thursdays is like the best season finales i think we might have put that one at number one oh, or at least really pretty good. high up yeah i mean me and sean are big fans <laughs> also motherfucker got got yeah i agree with you it seems most likely but obviously it's supposed to be ambiguous but it seems most likely but who did it? Was it the guy in the members only jacket? That was AJ. Because <laughs> the way it's edited, 
if you're to, you know, follow standard continuity editing, Meadow's running to the door, bell goes ding, Tony looks up, cut to black. Mm. So, unless this, this guy run in front of Meadow or did he hit him from behind? But then, like, Phil Leotardo's dead. Who wants Tony dead? I guess everyone always wants Tony dead. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> but I think that's the charm of the ending, is that, yeah, Tony was probably killed. I feel like there's even an interview recently from, like, a year ago where David Chase accidentally called it the death scene. <laughs> and then said, oh, shit. No, I, I think it was another... Because he's done, like, so many interviews with Alan Sevenwall, who's, like, the like, official Soprano interviewer, I guess. Yeah. He's like, did you realize you just said death scene? And he just said, screw you guys. <laughs> like, like, it's supposed to be ambiguous. <laughs> I mean, yes, like Cartman. Yes, he said it like Cartman. Sure. Does he talk like Cartman? That is not how I imagine like a normal his voice. guy. I wasn't sure if David Chase because I didn't. I didn't really know him. I hadn't seen any interviews with him until I watched the whole show, and I was wondering, is he like an angry guy? No, he's just a regular guy, regular veteran TV writer. Yeah, he's, seems pretty chill, honestly. He is pretty like laid back, and like I don't know. He seems like he'll answer any Sopranos questions you have. Like, he's not annoyed by by people's fan theories and stuff. Sean, is this late? Do you want us to watch all of the Sopranos Road to Respect video game? <laughs> no, I just want you guys to have that link for later, because I forgot until just now that they <laughs> made a Sopranos game for PS2. Oh, yeah. Road oh. to Respect, man. Uh, I never. I watched some. I watched some playthrough after because I was so hungry for Sopranos content. <laughs> so I was like, I'll watch part of the game. It's the but it's like frontier. It's like go get everybody's lunch order. And like <laughs> this is the game. It's like you're just getting everybody's lunch order and then you're like kicking a guy in the crotch in an alleyway. It's like wow. It's just it's it's interesting because they got everybody you know to be a part of the game. All the actors were in it. The cover of this game is so good because they were like, our game graphics are so good, we're just going to commit to those. (laughs) So half the cover is a giant blown up picture of the Tony Soprano model, (laughs) which looks terrible, of course. I gotta look this up. And the other half of the cover is, I'm presuming, the guy you play as, who's uh, Pussy's illegitimate son. Yeah. Uh, Like... Oh god, like, this is so bad. <laughs> it's like dragging some bro out of the bottom bay. It's like hey, dude. it's like <laughs> late at load. night. It's super dingy. Like both halves of this cover are terrible and the fact that they like fade between <laughs> the two. Like oh man. This this just screams you only paid five dollars for this at Walmart. <laughs> or you it's one of those rare games you find at the seven eleven. Yeah. I definitely want to play this, though. I gotta get respect. Yeah, gotta get on that road. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's people who, after watching this show, are like, that's perfect, we never need to touch this again, this is a perfect object. But I was totally open after watching this, be like, you know, I am interested in this universe and a prequel. And I would even say, even after watching this movie, which... I had mixed feelings about I would want to watch another movie <laughs> set in like the 80s of Michael Gandolfini. 
or yeah, I, I kind of had that same feeling. Just just because I had not revisited this universe in a while, and it just felt so good <laughs> spend time with these characters, but also like kind of get to know David Chase's sort of like I don't know cynical view of of the world. <laughs> And and the gangster lifestyle, but like also has a a, a biting sense of humor about it too. Like I, I missed that, and and getting to see that again in this movie was was fun, even if it is like definitely far from perfect. <laughs> but my pitch is Doctor Melfi prequel. Mm. What's she doing? Her what's her rise to power like? College, college. Get divorced. Yeah, I assume she just lives a very normal life uh, that gets turned upside down by Tony Soprano <laughs> eventually. Like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. I guess you could always do a sequel to the show that's like the about AJ. Oh, AJ sucks so much. Yeah, that would suck so bad. AJ. I would rather watch a show about like eighty-year-old Tony Sirico just sitting around. It'd be like a, it'd be a multicam sitcom. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I mean, sitting around. That's the thing is, the only characters who are left are super old <laughs> and are especially yes. old now. <laughs> Both Uncle Junior and Polly Walnuts made it through the whole show, and both of those actors are still alive and are very old. And, and possibly Silvio. Hmm. I think he was in the hospital at the end of the show. They didn't think he was going to pull through, but you're right. They didn't show him die. He wakes up with like his fist, and he's like, I'm back. Yeah, like a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. He wakes up after 20-something years to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about young Sylvia, you guys? Best character in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> definitely comic relief. I, it definitely threw me for a loop, because I figured him and Tony were supposed to be the same age. But he's definitely at least in his 20s, maybe early 30s, when Tony's like a kid. And then he's got his toupee by the time Tony's in his teens. So I guess he's kind of old. I think the weird thing for me was how much older uh, was ja- um, James Gandolfini than Michael Imperioli? Probably. Because yeah, according to this much. movie, it's about <laughs> it's about what fifteen years, fifteen yeah. sixteen years. Yeah. In real life, they're five years apart. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. I think that's the only thing in this movie in, in terms of like. It's like, hey, that doesn't seem right. Our ages. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Tony's crew is so much older than him, and that Christopher is so much younger than him. Um, uh, I mean, for what it's worth, Stephen Van Zant is about ten years older than James Gandolfini. Uh, so okay, and we know Tony Sirico is old as hell. Yeah. I don't know how old, much older Vince Pastore is, but probably definitely older. I think it's just thrown off by the fact that James Gandolfini seems really old. (laughs) Even when The Sopranos started, but I guess he's like in his late 30s, which is weird. 
Okay, so I guess one question that I gotta maybe this will help get the ball rolling into the more of the movie a little bit mm-hmm. is um, I saw a lot of people saying this should have been a show, not a movie. Where do you guys win on that? Uh, it has the ambition of a show, <laughs> um, and also it has the ultimate TV director, Alan Taylor. Um, I guess what what I what I mean when I say it has the ambition of a show is, uh, it has, in theory, it has three main characters, uh, but uh, at least in the final edit we saw, the movie really only has one. Um, I think it could have been equally a, a, a film about. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character uh, Harold McBrayer and his rise to power uh, and also I think could have very much been about Tony Soprano Uh, uh, and instead the final movie is really about Dickie Moltisanti's sort of fall from grace Um, and so I think if if they had more, more room to make it about those three characters equally uh, it would have been more interesting uh, than just following this one guy and having these other two stories going on and not being nearly as satisfying because they just don't get the same amount of time as as Dickie's plot. Um, so if that is your reasoning for wanting to say this should be a show instead of a movie, then I agree. Um, also, I I didn't I don't I don't I don't want another. Like mob show, <laughs> I think I I think for me, mafia stuff is like what superhero movies are to like call. Like I, I still like them, but I just don't care. Huh. Um. Yeah. I mean, I love mob stuff, but I also, I mean, it's weird. It was weird watching this because it it does kind of feel like the fascination with mob movies has kind of faded (laughs) like the Irishman especially felt like the sort of death knell for the for the mob movie because it just so plainly made clear that these guys in the mafia are not cool their lives are meaningless and uh, like we we shouldn't like glorify the fact that they they kill people uh so yeah maybe maybe i'm with you at this point (laughs) the the mob movie is is not a like that appealing now but i still kind of like watching one every once in a while it's just easier to do it when it's a movie i mean nobody watched boardwalk empire yeah not enough crime I think or not so, enough of the the right kind of crime. <laughs> I think that's that's interesting, um, and, and to also tie it back to uh, Colin's point about like the demystifying the, the uh, mobster mythology. Johnny said, "There's not enough crimes. So there is like a big shootout scene that feels very like movie-ish." Um. But but when I compare it to something like uh, like Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which is 
something I, I couldn't help but compare this to. It, it really does feel kind of amateurish by comparison to me. Um, Did you guys get that vibe too? Did it just feel like it's it's not on the same level as its cinematic uh, contemporaries? Um, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't feel as focused as a as most movies do. Like it, it definitely goes on little tangents that feel like it, like a TV show. Um, but even like the Sopranos TV show could could do these these big moments. I think in a in a more impactful like. Um, you remember the failed hit in in season one on Tony where he's buying the orange juice because it's like The Godfather and the like. The guys just keep missing their shots. Yeah, like that felt epic and cinematic. <laughs> uh, and you compare that to the big shootout in this, and it's like it's not even in the same league, right? Even though that's a, I mean, you know, almost no, a comedic but, scene. I mean, but because of the fact that we got to build up to that moment on the show. Um, and this is why, because I, you know, I originally proposed this question. I think this should have been a TV show, because my favorite thing about The Sopranos, my favorite thing about all mob media, and why I think The Sopranos is the best mob media there's ever been, is all the moments that they're not doing crime, and just like that they have this stuff lingering in the background of their lives, like all this horrible stuff that they do and are going to do, and they're trying to live like normal domestic lives. And I think this 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 movie is at its best whenever it has moments like that. Like for me, the most compelling part of this movie is that weird, kind of doomed relationship between Dickie and that Italian woman who was married to his dad. And them trying to like make that normal, but you know that that can't be. He's married. He's a criminal. All sorts of fucked up stuff going on. And I think like you know any any mob like all like in Goodfellas, all my favorite stuff is when. Like they're eating dinner at Joe Pesci's mom's house and like all that weird stuff. <laughs> so I think, yeah, that gun scene that we're talking about here is not as memorable as any, you know, as most of the action set pieces from the show. Um, I think that's just because, at least in this genre, David Chase uh, does action better when he has all this time to build up to it. But I still think the domestic stuff in this movie works really well. But it's just like the weird thing about this movie is like it, it, from scene to scene, I'm like, oh, I think I really like this movie. And the next scene, I'm like, eh, maybe I don't really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like there was a lot of good ideas, but there was it was hard to figure out like what the narrative thrust of all that was going to be. Like this movie doesn't seem to like reach any kind of like exciting climax. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason, it should have been a show. But still, like the domestic moments. I really like that scene where Tony's eating a hamburger and having an argument with his mom about how she should take like this medicine for like uh, you know her anxiety and, and, and shit. That stuff's really good. Um, yeah, just like yeah, that's the good mob stuff. 
Yeah, and, Doing and it as and, a movie isn't doesn't work for David Chase. I don't think. And, and like you're you're saying, like a big part of the appeal of the Sopranos is that they are. It, it feels like it's in the real world, or at least something close to the real world. Um, like these, they're characters that are like, I love The Godfather, and I listen to the Departed soundtrack all the time. <laughs> Uh, and yet they have all these like normal problems and I th- maybe it's just like setting it in the past but it doesn't feel as like mm. real to me uh, being in there's, this like late 60s and then early 70s setting there's, there's snippets for me though like remember when Tony's up in his room just like totally vibing to Mountain the band <laughs> Yeah. Like there isn't really anything else to that scene other than like him just kind of like getting into the getting into music and kind of you know getting to know himself. Like that's the good shit in this movie. It's whenever it does the more standard stuff that I think is expected of a crime movie is when it falters just a bit. But even that stuff, I don't know if I would say that stuff's like amateurish, like the shootout that we keep talking about. Like it's still shot really well. Uh, it yeah, just doesn't I mean, mean as much. That's, that's why you get Alan Taylor to, to do stuff like that. But. I think we got to get into. So this is a movie about Dicky Moltisanti, yeah. who on the show was always very mysterious. I think that's a big part of the appeal of the character. Did you guys like this character? Were you guys interested in his story? Did you guys like this performance? How do we feel about Dicky in general? Yeah, I don't know if it's how I was supposed to feel about him, but felt like he was, like maybe the ultimate loser of this whole franchise, just the lamest dude that ever existed. Real piece of work. <laughs> when you put it like that, that's actually really compelling because everyone <laughs> looks at him like he is this, like talks about him like he's just such a hero. You know, yeah. he was he was Tony's hero because as we see in this movie, Tony's dad was out of the picture a lot and mm-hmm. kind of sucked. <laughs> I mean, all these guys suck, but he especially sucked. He's dead. He's getting arrested in front of his kids. Uh, you know what, though? Going back to the realism, I did like that there's a scene where John Barenthal's just, like, walking the dog, and then Tony's throwing speakers out the window. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't escalate into, like, there's, sh- like, a shootout or something. He's just, like, confused and angry that things are being thrown out of his house's window. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Dicky, uh, like clearly it's like everyone chose to see him how they wanted to made up their own myth about, uh, what kind of dude he was. Cause, uh, what this movie gives us is here's a guy who, uh, kills his dad so he can sleep with his stepmom and then follows that up with feeling all bad about it. And then just getting, getting screwed over by everyone in his life dude you gotta admit that scene where he calls his dad is pretty cool right maybe maybe not pretty cool is the word but you know what I'm saying it, it, I mean it's 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 like a effective and disturbing in the way that like a, a good mob movie kill should be where you just like you don't, you don't expect it especially when it's uh. his dad and then people are like asking, like, "Hey, what's going on out there?" And he's 
<laughs> Gotta, like, close the garage slightly and turn off the lights. Yeah, I, I love that shit. <laughs> um, yeah, God, I can't... I think I read this on Reddit, but uh, all the Multisantis die in or around cars. Because mm. uh, Christopher obviously dies in a car, and then... Uh, the first Reliota dies in a car, and then uh, even Dicky uh, at the end of the movie is like getting Christmas presents out of the back of his car when he dies. Hmm. Well, that's yeah, the automobile, that's... not an invention that worked out for that family. <laughs> since, since we got into that death scene, how do we feel about Reliota doubling down? Uh, it's a little weird to see someone playing someone's twin, but. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was fine because they they're, you know, used in such different ways and such different personas. It's not yeah. like I would have thought it was dumb if Ray Liotta shows up as his twin brother is like now I'm leading the gang. <laughs> <laughs> that would have sucked. <laughs> but since yeah. he's just like in prison and is like God, well, everything I do is terrible. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> that I liked. Yeah, a much more compelling <laughs> performance too. I think. Did you guys like, get I'm a the vibe villain. that um, prison Ray Liotta, Sally, yeah. Salvatore yeah, Maltesanti, yeah. uh, it seemed like he was basically the Dr. Melfi of this movie, because <laughs> they like needed, oh, yeah. needed someone to fill that void of like a character who isn't a part of their world, who can mm-hmm. like talk to them sensibly. Uh, and and not in the way that 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 mobsters talk to each other and give each other very ill-informed advice. Yeah, no, I like that dynamic, dude. I heard some theories too. That's like, I don't even think that he was real. I think Dickie's just talking to no one. <laughs> well, that is a theory. Um, and you know, granted, Sopranos is a show that has moments of. I guess fantasy or at least surreal moments. This movie ends with one, but like I, I don't think I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I yeah I love yes. that he was someone who cut through the bullshit. Like, it's implied pretty early on that he knows a hundred percent exactly what's going on with Dicky and and why his guilt has brought him to to mm-hmm. trying to make amends with him. Um, and, uh, and he sort of plays that to his own benefit, but also tries to genuinely give good advice to, uh, again, uh, this loser character who gets murked for laughing at his cousin falling down. Just a real, God, he sucks so bad. I didn't even realize I, th- I thought he sucked so bad until now, until we were doing this. The guy did either until you came to that revelation. But he didn't do anything good. Uh, he's kind of nice to Tony, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he'd like do stuff with him and take him to the movies. But that's not, it's not good to bring your nephew into the organized crime lifestyle. <laughs> but at the same time, he didn't at the end, but that was Push also fucked away. up because it was like, that's when Tony like needed him the most is when he wouldn't reach out to him. Yep. So, yeah, he did suck in that way. Because at least, because I think that's a big thing. It's like then you look at Tony's relationship with Christopher on the show, where he took him under his wing, 
you know, and it's almost like because he had that void in his life, he doesn't want Christopher to have that void. He wants him to have proper role model. Because Tony's dad just sucks, and he's always out of the picture. His dad doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff about Dickie uh, sucking is good. That's good stuff. I think... I think the stuff I don't like... Yeah, is any time when they're really doing any kind of crime stuff. (laughs) And then also, the whole um, Newark riots angle of the film... I didn't find that interesting. And I really felt bad that I wasn't interested in anything Harold's character brought to the story. Like right. I, I it really it really more felt like David Chase like I really need to diversify a little bit and actually include some people of color in this in this uh, universe. Right, but also it's like the movie needs to have like a straight up uh antagonist to to Dickie. Uh, and I mean the nice thing about mob movies is you can make your antagonist like a, a good person like a lot of the time they're just like cops or whatever um, which you know lots of cops aren't good people I didn't mean to make that implication <laughs> uh, but but there is you know a, a sympathetic angle to Harold where he's like he has the exact same motivation as so many other characters in this where he's just trying to um, you know look out for himself and, and make his own money and, and chase success in the same way that basically everyone was drawn into this particular lifestyle is um and then you see the corruption of that where he's willing to uh exploit uh sort of radical revolutionary uh feelings just so that he can make money off of his own community uh which is i think all good stuff as like conceptually um but it's it's uh, like I was saying before. It's just not an equal part of the movie to Dickie's plot, and so it feels uh, unsatisfying to me. It's like uh, especially because his story concludes in a post-credit scene, uh, which is weird. Almost as so if they're like, setting up the we'll sequel. This in a sequel, the Herald yeah. Chronicles. <laughs> uh, but also, it's like that's that sort of if you think about all the like killing that happens in the Sopranos because of petty slights like Harold put together a crew that had like gunfights with the DeMeo crime family and killed members of it and the ending is like now he's got money and he can move into a house it's like really? they're just gonna let him be, be there and keep doing his stuff and having stole their business? It doesn't feel. It feels. I mean, it's it's not satisfying as a conclusion for the movie, but also it doesn't feel consistent with the rules of this universe, where you know everybody's got to pay until everybody's dead. Yeah, everybody. Everyone probably should have just died, right? That's how it would have been tragic for sure. But like, that's more the Sopranos way. Let's talk about some of these performances. I guess we already talked about uh, Dicky, and I like the character I like the performance I like that he's a loser I'm good with all that but obviously the big thing guys they got Michael Gandolfini to be young Tony Mm -hmm. did he live up to the hype I thought it was good I mean 
There's not a lot asked of him. Also, he's not in the first, you know, whatever it is, half hour, 45 minutes. I think I think it's like 50 minutes. Yeah, that takes place before it's like 52 minutes. Dad goes to jail. So, and, and, and that combined with the fact that he is kind of a secondary character uh, compared to Dickie Moltisanti. Like, he's not in it that much, but I think he's, he's, he's fine for, for what he's in. Um, you know, it's just nice having the son of James Gandolfini involved with it, uh, since he looks like him. And, uh, He's got the makings of a varsity athlete. (laughs) Sure. No, Sean, he, he doesn't. That's the whole thing. Doesn't. It was interesting to me when this was first announced. John's hashtag team junior. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if I am. He did shoot Tony. That was some good TV. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't even realize Michael Gandolfini was an actor. So when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I was afraid. He's like, "He's gonna fuck it up." They only casted him because he looks like him and he's his son, and he's the right age. Uh, about. Um, but then when you hear about, I think they touch on it in that Alan Sevenwall interview, like the casting of Michael Gandolfini. You're like, okay, so they just, it just kind of, ha- like, they didn't intentionally plan that out. Like, I thought it was funny how, like, David Chase, he didn't really even, like, know Michael Gandolfini that well. Obviously, he'd met him because he worked with James so much. Um, but he only saw him, like, every now and then at the Van Patten residence. Did you did you get that part, Colin, in the interview? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I watched The Van Patten also. Dynasty is a huge yep. part of this podcast, I'm discovering. Obviously, is the rich legacy of the Van Patten acting family. Of course, um, was it is it Tim or is it Mark? I can't I remember. One of the Van Pattens directed a lot of episodes of Sopranos, and he has a daughter who's an actress who's friends with Michael Gandolfini, and David Chase would go to the Van Patten house a lot, and that's where he'd see Michael Gandolfini. Also, another Van Patten is in this movie: Talia Balsam, daughter of Joyce Van Patten and Martin Balsam. Is that uh, teacher who's talk talking to Tony? I guess she's like a school counselor. If you remember that scene. Yeah. Um, but enough about the Van Pattens. Yeah, like Michael Gandolfini. They like he auditioned like three times. It wasn't just like okay, you got the role, and like he didn't want to do it. Um, but it worked out, and I thought he was great. Like enough so that like yeah, I'll, I'll watch the Tony, the Tony movie. That's just about him, like in his. 20s or 30s or whatever if they ever want to make that I guess the question is would this movie have been better if it was more the Tony movie or was this the right direction to go with it being the Dickie Moltisanti movie I mean I I guess getting back to whether it was a TV show I feel like I would more want to watch a TV show of uh, young Tony but I feel like if you're just telling a standalone story about Dickie Moltisanti, which this ends up being, for better or for worse, like I guess I like that story better as a standalone movie, even if the movie doesn't quite commit to it just being one single story. I think I agree with that, actually, yeah. Because like you wouldn't want a Tony movie because I feel like all the exciting stuff for Tony happens when he 
joins the mob and when he becomes made and all that stuff. Like, it wouldn't be that interesting, or at least as interesting, I don't think of him as a kid. That was a problem I always had with Smallville. <laughs> it's like, the cool stuff's not supposed to happen until he leaves Smallville. Why is all this crazy shit happening in Smallville? Yeah. Like, Don't I you want to like see how that... Tony turns his adult, his dad's adult friends into his own underlings? <laughs> <laughs> He's just got a so lot I of potential. Like just getting glimpses of, like, Tony's uh, interest in crime. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, I, I think it was the right decision. As much as like every time Tony's on, I'm like, oh yeah, let's get some Tony t- tidbits. <laughs> like, like when he's in the ice cream truck, isn't he with? Um, he's with like Artie and Jackie April Senior. It's like, don't do right. those other guys on the fucking show. <laughs> yeah, and then we even see uh, young Carmela at one point. Oh yeah, that stuff like I could I could never decide if I liked it or like this is weird. This is, this is dumb. Yeah, I he only ever had it. one girlfriend. Well, I guess I mean, that's not true. He had, a, he had a bunch of affairs during the show, so uh, <laughs> that's not the, that's not right. But you know what I mean. I mean, it feels like oh, these are just nods of the show. But I mean, I I think all that is show accurate though. Like he did grow up hanging out with Jackie and Artie, and he did know Carmela in high school. So yeah, it's not I mean, like it's... they're like rewriting the timeline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like. A lot of people go through life hanging out with the same people. It's not like if we did a flashback of our lives and they show me and 12-year-old Sean hanging out, they're going to be like, oh, that's so stupid. Why is Sean there? No, Colin, you're 12. Sean's like 25. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) To show how we, we joined your crew. How you yeah. came into power. <laughs> I'd love to see that. So, another interesting thing about this movie is we get to see some younger versions of characters that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of those. What was your guys' favorite younger version of a character from the show? I'll go first. I don't know if it's a great performance, but I actually really liked Corey Stoll's Junior Soprano. Mm. The voice is yeah, I perfect. I was gonna. Say I'm sure that some people too. hate it. <laughs> He's a little tall to be junior, but maybe we can just assume he got a little shorter as he got older. But he definitely has the vibe of just like the the guy with the chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Like even though like the storyline about him slipping and like hurting his back and then holding it against Dicky Moltisanti. It feels like a strange addition, since it seems like it would just be a, a storyline from a TV show that isn't really integral to the plot. I still like it, because it's just such a junior thing to just be pissed off at the world about something that isn't his fault at all, or, or isn't Moltisanti's fault. Um, yeah, I liked it. I wasn't sure about the inclusion of a couple of his catchphrases, but then again, I was thinking, yeah, but you know, people will say like the same shitty catchphrases in their life forever. (laughs) So that's fine. One of my favorite moments in The Sopranos is when Paulie is making a joke and then he has to like 
confirm that everyone heard it by like repeating it over. He's like, "Hey, Tony, did you hear this joke I made?" And he said he make, <laughs> makes the same joke again. Uh, yeah, because that's the way people <laughs> really are. Uh, even though it's, it seems like bad writing for TV, very relatable. And and actually, I think this movie did a good job with the names that are in it. I feel like most of them fit in their roles. Like I also like Vera Farmiga as Livy Soprano, which is not casting mm-hmm. I I ever thought would work. Um, I, I would say the 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 only one that didn't work for me is John Bernthal as as Tony's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm like he's the fucking Punisher, dude. <laughs> He's he's too much of a name for me. He's too much of a personality uh, for him to fit in as like Tony's absentee dad. He's he's too cool. Like something that I like that we're kind of discovered. Like we kind of discovered here about Dicky was like everyone looked up to Dicky on the show, but you watch this movie and he's like so lame. I feel like John Bernthal's a little too cool to be <laughs> to be Tony's dad. They should have got someone a little schlubbier. To be Tony's dad. I'm not like, sure that could have been. Th- they do the famous scene uh, that they that it was referenced in the show, where he uh, shoots Livia's hair, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's like they play it off as a joke in The Sopranos. But when you see it here, it's the scariest shit that happens in the whole movie. It's so intense. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, he's too old for the part, but I would have liked to see more of, like, a Kevin Corrigan type as Tony's dad. Ooh, that's pretty that's good. That's my picture. Awesome. He's, he's too old, though. Like, how, actually, no, how old is John Bernthal? I'm going to I'm gonna check numbers here. Kevin Corrigan is 52. John Bernthal is one of those guys who I feel like could secretly be old. Uh, I bet he's... No, he's 45. Mid-40s. Yeah. Enough. yeah. Also... Still, how is Kevin Corrigan not... In this movie, yeah, he, yeah. he's got the the Goodfellas credentials. I feel like that's always a starting point for being in The Sopranos. Is... Yeah, first you have to be in Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, which, which, of course, makes Ray Liotta's addition to this movie. <laughs> was was he <laughs> was he considered for Tony in the original show? I thought I heard that, but I'm not sure. If I feel that's like true. I've heard that too, and it was just a case of him not wanting to do the same thing over again was that back when they were talking about the sopranos was originally pitched to fox mm, maybe can you guys imagine if the sopranos had been on fox not really it still would have been good but it wouldn't have been a masterpiece it would have just been like that oh right, right, really good show that then they canceled right away <laughs> it's really weird to have, like, have those f-bombs <laughs> My mind is just shattering yeah. right now because, I mean, surely they talked about Goodfellas on The Sopranos at some point. I just oh, can't of course, it. multiple times. But they definitely yeah. talk about The Departed, and yeah. Vera Farmiga's in this too. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're a, a, an Italian actor who's been working since the '80s, <laughs> there's, there's probably a lot of crossover in a lot of projects. Yeah. It's not that surprising. So, uh, so I get it. I get it. I like it. It's fun. It's a 
fun thing. Does Martin Scorsese not like The Sopranos? I thought I read that once. Which sounds insane. It'd be pretty funny if he did. <laughs> He's in an even episode. Had well, it's someone playing him, but yeah. It is? Yeah, I thought it's not that him. was actually him. That's no. disappointing. I immediately like paused it and then looked it up. Because <laughs> I had to know. Hmm. I'm going to look up Martin Scorsese Sopranos. Or like maybe it wasn't that he didn't like it. He's just like, well, this is just one sentence, but it says, I couldn't identify with the Sopranos. Huh. I feel like this is more maybe like he wasn't in a good place when it came out or something. Mm-hmm. He's, they live in New Jersey with the big houses? I don't get it. <laughs> they use language, four-letter words in front of their daughters at the dinner table? I don't get that. It's just a bunch of stuff he doesn't get. This is so uh-huh. weird. It sounds like he had a very specific, uh, like, idea of what the mob was in his mind when he made Goodfellas, and I guess The Sopranos wasn't exactly that, so he couldn't couldn't wrap his mind around it, which is weird. I don't know, man. I watched, uh, I checked out a couple videos from like this channel on YouTube from this guy. Mm-hmm. I think his name's like Michael Fran- Franzese, who's like, I was in the mafia. Yeah. And he well, like he yeah it's like how is this guy is like shouldn't you be like in witness for like protection or something <laughs> maybe it just gets to a certain point where the mob doesn't care anymore mm-hmm. but he he spoke pretty positively of the Sopranos and said yeah it's a little bit um it's not quite what it's like but it's pretty close mm-hmm. so it's weird to think that Martin Scorsese didn't think uh, this was like what the mob was like I, I'm I don't know just boggles the mind that he doesn't I just can't believe Martin Scorsese isn't into Sopranos it's not like he hates it but the fact that he isn't it isn't like his favorite show is insane yeah I mean it's weird because he also it's surprising to me he didn't play a character on the show yeah well it's weird because he also worked with a lot of people who worked on the Sopranos when he did like the first episode of uh, of Boardwalk Empire and then also Vinyl had a bunch of Sopranos people involved, so... Yeah, but you know. guys are forgetting that Martin Scorsese doesn't publicly acknowledge that he likes mainstream things. <laughs> He's true. only out there supporting art house cinema, specifically weird foreign films that even we haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's a saint. He's doing God's work, but, like, come on, it's the Sopranos. <laughs> can't, he can't afford to donate his brand to stuff like that he's gotta take down superheroes who's older do you think David Chase or Martin Scorsese they gotta be pretty close probably David Chase I'll I'll look at Martin Scorsese because I'm already on the Shark Tale uh, Wikipedia page good 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 I think David Chase also Uh, would have started his career in the 70s because I think he was like a Rockford Files writer David Chase is 76 Scorsese is 78 so yeah they're contemporaries for the most part just more, you know David Chase like you're saying more TV mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like he wants to do more movies though. it's funny in that Alan Sevenwall interview how he's like yeah if they let me make another movie it's like I can't believe you one of the greatest TV writers of all time has trouble getting movies made that that just goes to show how how shitty Hollywood is well did you, you say, this guy every did shot. you see Not Fade Away John <laughs> 
I did. And it's funny because I was looking it up recently. I was like, oh, because it was bad, right? And it's like, it got fine reviews. You know, why didn't I see this? It's about 60s rock and roll. I love that. Mick Jagger and Charlie Watts are characters in the movie. It just came out at a bad time of year. Came out around the end of the year when there's a bunch of other more yeah. prestigious. It came out at the end see. of times. Remember that? That was it was a twelve twenty one twenty twelve movie. <laughs> oh yes. People were like, Quetzalcoatl's gonna take us out. I what happened, Quetzalcoatl? We needed you. We were counting on you. It stopped so many bad things from happening. It's true. Missed opportunity. <laughs> Coming up on the ten year anniversary of Quetzalcoatl not nuking us. He didn't fade us away. Mm-hmm. We were not faded away. Not fade away. Future pick? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe now. I believe this the lead of that movie is John Magaro, who played Silvio in possibly the best performance uh just ever, right? <laughs> So when does impression become parody? It's I, this is a great question, and it, I, it's hard because you look at the original Silvio like performance, and that's a bizarre object in itself. <laughs> so I think this is this doesn't feel like a performance as much as it feels like an impression, but it's so accurate. So I like yeah. it. I mean, it's also fine because he's he's not that integral part of the story he just has a few lines that he throws out every once in a while when he's in the background so i didn't but he does have that distracting. like he does have the important like taking dicky aside scene and like telling him that he like he's got to help tony out hmm. like they he does have more prominence than like uh, Pussy or Polly or, or some of the other like uh, soldier characters from the show. And gals. And he and I be... get like you know it, it is John Magaro you know the first cow guy like he's a he's a great actor so I, I get like trusting him with that part. But he's just a cartoon. <laughs> he's a cartoon in this, you guys. He's a cartoon. He even walks like a cartoon. Um, cartoons are fun, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was always the. I think that was always always the appeal of that character for me. Is that he was a cartoon? Not that he was a merciless killer, but that he was a cartoon. That he's he caught Al Pacino. That's funny. He <laughs> kill a lot of people, though. Yeah, he's a bad dude. <laughs> so at least it made like some kind of impression, like. Not that they had anything to do, but like Big Pussy and Polly made no impression on me. Yeah. Like, I guess they were fine. I guess they sort of looked like who they're supposed to be. Yep. At least John Magaro, negative or positive, like, I remembered that performance. <laughs> <laughs> In his weird scenes where we got to see the origin of his baldness, or at least that he was bald, confirmed. Finally confirmed. Because there, I mean, there was always a part of me that was like, is this, is the character wearing a wig or is the actor wearing a wig? I like it. 
Yeah. I wasn't knowing. I wasn't sure either. All questions answered. <laughs> yeah, finally, the last mystery. The one lingering question we all had after the end of the Sopranos has been answered. I think that leads me into my, my next question. Does this movie work if you've never seen the show? <laughs> I bet it does, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it probably kind of does. <laughs> Just because it focuses on at, at, at least two mainish characters that aren't in the show at all. I think if you hadn't seen the show, you'd watch this movie and uh, in the back of your head be like, should I be getting more out of this? Does this mean more than it seems? Uh, and the answer to that, if you are one of those viewers, is eh, a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing is, is what we already talked about, how Dickie is built up as uh, as a hero and an, an idol for the younger gangsters. and. Uh, in the reality, he's just a big fucking loser. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's not stuff like John was saying. It's not just like people providing dramatic irony. Like they are characters you recognize, uh, but they're they're just functioning as the characters in this story. They're not doing stuff like, you know, Tony, you're crazy. I think someday you should go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing like that. I do think if you've seen the show, you'll like the movie better. Because if you've seen the show, you probably love the show. So this just kind of feels like, you know, it's icing on the cake. It's little, it's little extra little things that you get to, little nuggets you get to get later on. And the very ending of the movie will actually seem cool to you instead of probably kind of weird. Is this a good ending? We got to talk about this ending. So uh, we know that Dickie's going to get gunned down because in the show they always said that he died when Christopher was still a baby, uh, taking TV trays out of his car. So we, we knew if you know it was inevitable. But in this movie, <laughs> an ending scene that Dickie's funeral, Tony's looking in the coffin. The Sopranos theme starts playing, and then they do like a pinky promise, like he's gonna follow in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I like that or if I'm like, this sucks. This is the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> okay, so I think this ties into our three different levels of investment in the show, where um, I bought the box set of The Sopranos when it came out so not that long after the show ended and I binged the show and then I've not thought about it since then since 2008 um, John has just watched The Sopranos so it's all fresh for him and then Colin is in the middle of us because I believe you've, you've watched the, the show through a couple times is that right? Uh, just twice once during college and once I don't know maybe in my mid mid 20s so for me someone who uh like the sopranos is like a sort of a a a fever dream because (laughs) any anytime you binge a show uh it compresses it uh 
into just like one weird thing uh and it has a much different impact than you know uh when you're watching a show live like i'm always gonna think of lost and game of thrones and fucking rick and morty differently from the sopranos just because those were years of my life as opposed to a couple months um but it was nostalgic and exciting for me to hear that theme music again and i was like oh yeah i remember this good times good times um so i had a very positive reaction to that ending of the movie uh compared to john being like what's going on here i think it's because you know i probably i watched this i think the day after i'd seen the final episode of the sopranos and that's such a shocking ending but it also leaves you with so much to think about in terms of what the show means in terms of tony as a character and then to go from that to go from the ending of this being like for me the equivalent of okay we're putting a team together like an avengers (laughs) mid-credit gag it's it just lacks so much of the elegance of how the show concluded for the movie to conclude like that uh, and like I love hearing the theme song and I didn't expect it like I, I was surprised but mm-hmm. I think looking back I didn't really care for it and it didn't need to be there <laughs> it could have been its own thing didn't need to have the theme song uh, yeah I think I had more of Sean's reaction because it had been longer since I watched the show where I was just like uh, it, it kind of fed into my enjoyment of this movie just on the level of like I, I liked being back in this world with with these types of characters and so hearing that theme song also kind of uh scratch that itch uh even if uh even, even if like the actual scene is is like yeah it's not anywhere near in the same ballpark as the final scene of the sopranos but i kind of uh, I got, got the feeling that like David Chase wasn't trying to top the the show The Sopranos was this movie like I feel like that show is is the thing like that's the masterpiece like anything else related to it is gonna be just like a nice just uh, excursion and, and kind of just something to to add to to what that show is, but uh, you know nothing's ever gonna top it. Fuck you guys! It just occurred to me that there is an analog to everything we've been talking about. Yeah, it's fucking Breaking Bad. Well, yeah, they did both the things we talked about. <laughs> they did a show and a movie. No, no, I mean, I was reminded after watching this that I, I still need to watch that Breaking Bad movie. I never I never saw it. I like that Breaking Bad movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and I liked it too. But El Camino is not as good as Breaking Bad, for sure. But also, Better Call Saul, like, it probably is as good as Breaking Bad. Like a lot of people say, it's better than Breaking Bad. Maybe that maybe that is the argument right there, uh, or the evidence we need that hey, if you made a good show, you should probably keep making shows and not try to do movies. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, probably when you've been doing a show for a while, you get, like, so used to how you do a show, how you write a show, that maybe it's a little tricky to go back to. Scaling it back for a, a movie. Because uh, movies can't quite be as dense story-wise all the time. But I know David Chase wants to do more movies, and I think he just got a new deal, I want to say with Warner Brothers, to to make some more movies. And I know he said he is interested in maybe doing some more stuff in the Sopranos universe. So who, who knows? Maybe we're going to get that Tony movie of Tony becoming a made man in like the early 80s. I mean, I watch it. It's probably going to be about as good as this, but I watch it. Hmm. Yeah, me too. Would you want someone that's not David Chase doing Sopranos stuff? I feel like in that Alan Sevenwall interview, David Chase said he doesn't trust anyone else to do it except for that one other writer, uh, Terrence, whatever his name is. Um, I don't want to take it away from him, even if he's not the right person for it. And I, I don't hold that opinion of all creators. Like, well, but, but I also see it as like he's a man in his mid seventies who probably is like, if I do a TV show, that could that could end up being my last project. Versus, I can make a few movies, no problem. Look at what Ridley Scott's doing. He's got two movies coming out this year. Um, like I get that, but it's it's like if we're also trying to make Sopranos a franchise again. Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right. Because this makes me think about the X Files like reboot episodes, and I think mm-hmm. the biggest problem with that show is that Chris Carter was still such a heavy part of the show, <laughs> and he's so like in a '90s mindset, he just felt out of touch. So maybe there's a certain point where these creators got to move on and do other stuff. If we want to keep the universe going, and you got to bring in some some new blood, I don't know. If we want to keep it going, <laughs> if you don't necessarily have to, yeah. but it doesn't sound like he wants anyone else to do Soprano stuff without him. So if the choice is no Soprano stuff or some like okay Soprano stuff, I guess I'll go with the okay Soprano stuff. I want it that bad. Even though it's tricky when the show ends with everyone dead. <laughs> it's not a lot of ways to go except into the past. Yeah, and now we've narrowed that down to a pretty slim slice of time. You, I mean, really, I not all true. you we've can got do, yeah. two decades. Uh, I just fear, like, can you imagine them, like, dude, like, they do this 80s one and people like it or something. And they're like, let's do another one. And then Michael get defeated to like make him look more like his dad. He's, you know, in makeup, got him look kind of thinning hair and make him fatter. That would be weird. Let's not do that. Let's not get all confusing like the X Men movies do, where it's like, at what point does James McAvoy turn in Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Never. So yeah, Many Saints in Newark It's fine. I had an okay time. There's some pretty good parts in there. There's some other parts where I'm like, eh, whatever. I appreciate that it wasn't like ridiculously long. 
David Chase definitely said in that interview, he's like, I don't feel like movies have to be so damn long. <laughs> two <laughs> yeah. hours. It's too, too bad, because the next thing we're going to watch is that fucking epic James Bond movie. Oh, God. Oh, fuck, dude. There's going to be plenty of time to die. Plenty of time to <laughs> fall asleep. For me, if you're me, and you fall asleep in movies a lot. But I hear it's good. I hear it's good. That's going to be our next one. Sean, you already shared your goof. I was musing over doing some Sopranos trivia. I don't know if you guys are interested. You don't have to. I'm not going to be very good at it, but I'll try. What if you guys do them together? I'd, I'd, I'd do it. What do you mean? Like we have to like you're not competing break. against each other. We have to like huddle before we make our decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, and if you get enough right, then you're in Tony's crew. Okay, it is multiple choice. It is multiple. This is the road to respect quiz. Woke up this morning, got myself a quiz. This is the ultimate The Sopranos quiz, guys, on needsomefun.net. I'm going to find out if you guys get to be in Tony's crew. Okay. These are multiple choice. I'm going to pose the question first to see if you just know it without even me doing the multiple choice. But I'll give you the multiple choice if you feel like you need it. Sounds good. Okay, question, question one. Who owns the nightclub on Sopranos? Which character? You're talking about the Bada Bing? I am. Okay. Well, that's that's Sylvia, right, Sean? It's. I would say it's Sylvia, because yeah. he's he, or at least he he acts like he owns it. Sure. Correct. It is Sylvia. What is the name of the butcher shop? Uh. Do you know this one, Sean? It's got um. It's got a pig on it. Mm-hmm. Is it Satriales? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'll accept it. I'm not, I think it's pronounced Satriales, but yeah, that's it. I bought a right. um, t-shirt in college from a Virgin Mega store that had the Satriales <laughs> logo on it. Uh, it's a little time capsule for you. Alright guys, who killed Adriana? Wow, we're hitting Silvio hard. Silvio is correct. Oh, I didn't actually remember that one. But that's Oh yeah. yeah. She because uh, you know, she FBI has been in touch with the FBI. She tells Christopher and then she's told that Christopher has attempted suicide. And she contemplates, should I just leave or should I let Silvio pick me up to go visit Christopher? And she goes with, I'm going to let Silvio pick me up. And then she quickly realizes they're driving out to the woods and she's going to get killed. Mm. Question four, what is the name of the horse? <laughs> I love how that's worked. <laughs> no, no more clues. What is the name of the damn horse? What's the name of the horse. Do you remember, Sean? No. Uh, Here, I want to give the options and see if, Sean, if you remember. Here are your options. Sweet. Big pie, little pie, pie oh my, or my pie. Okay, well, since most of these had pie in it, I'm going to assume it's not the first one that didn't have pie. 
So we got uh, pig pie, little pie, pie oh my, and my pie. Uh, the only one of those that sounds like a name is pie oh my to me. You're correct. Pie oh my. <laughs> my pie. <laughs> so All right. Uh, Which university did Meadow go to? Do you want, do you, do you want your Columbia? options? So here are your options. Columbia, Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, Princeton. See, John screened some of these questions for me yesterday. <laughs> but I didn't give you the answers. You didn't give me the answers. I thought it was Stanford because in my mind, Meadow wanted to get as far away from uh, Tony as possible because she doesn't like her family very much. Oh, see, I'm going the other way. I'm saying she stayed in New York and went to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to split on this one? I guess. All right. So we're, this is question five, so then I'm going to... We're going to split since you each have a different answer. Sean, you're going with Columbia. Colin, you're going with Stanford. Mm-hmm. Colin, right. are you sure? Do you remember any scenes in the show in that weren't in New York? I guess I don't. Or New Jersey? Mm. I feel like there was a conversation about maybe she was thinking about going to Berkeley actually now I think about it and then Tony probably made some homophobic remark or something uh yeah you're probably right it probably is Columbia or maybe NYU I don't know I'm gonna stick with Stanford though (laughs) I already said it all right I'm feeling pretty good about my answer Mm -hmm. the correct answer is Columbia. Yeah. All right. You let Sean take the lead column. Because I think Meadow wanted to go to Stanford, but she didn't end up going to Stanford. That makes sense. Yeah, now that I think about it, like, I think I assumed that when she went to college, she was out of the show, but I, I guess there were some plot lines around her in college, like her weird roommate. Uh, okay, well, th- well, there's there's other questions on this quiz that I don't think you guys are necessarily going to both agree on. Okay. So I think there's, if we're turning this into a competitive <laughs> quiz, <laughs> there's chance to, to, to catch up or tie this up. Mm. This next one's a little tricky. It's where where was Gloria Trillo work? So this is a, this must have been a spam bot that wrote this quiz. Gloria Trillo, of course, uh, worked at a car dealership and had an affair with Tony, but here are your options. Was it a Ford dealership, Toyota, Mercedes, Volkswagen, or BMW? Um, I'm going to say Give me those Mercedes. brands again. Ford, Toyota, Mercedes, Volkswagen, BMW. Okay, it's going to be one of the fancy ones. If yeah. Colin's going with Mercedes, I'm going with BMW. All right. That's what Fraser drives. The correct answer is Mercedes. Oof. Guess that makes me Mr. Right. Mercedes. You guys are tied up. I'm still not sure if you're on the same team if you're competing against each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. Okay, next. We'll just see, we'll see if, you, if you agree or disagree. Don't feel like you have to pick the opposite of what the other person thinks. Yeah. Question seven. Adriana has a nightclub named. Here are the options. Pie oh my. <laughs> Apple pie. <laughs> Crazy horse. 
horsepower, lonely horse. Did she name her bar after Tony's beloved racehorse? <laughs> I feel okay. like it's crazy horse. Again? <laughs> that's that's my apple pie, crazy horse, horsepower, lonely horse. Those are just all such bad names for bars, <laughs> except crazy horse. The, that's the only one because, like, what was it like? A lonely horse? Like, what the fuck is that? Why would anything be called that? Uh. Yeah, I think Colin's right. Crazy Horse. Yes, it's Crazy Horse. Those other names are terrible. <laughs> Next question. How did John Sacrimony, a.k.a. Johnny Sack, die? Was he shot in the head, burned, stabbed, drowned, or did he die of lung cancer? This is Johnny uh, Sack. Johnny Sack. He has a fat wife. Yeah. It's white hair. I remember him. I feel like I remember him being all bald. Yeah. I would I would go with lung cancer. <laughs> that could be a different guy. No, that's not know for sure. That sounds right, right to me as well. I, I feel like he was in the hospital and it seemed like he smoked a lot as well. Uh, John, can you tell me the name of the actor who plays Johnny Sack so I can Google them to see if I'm thinking of the right guy? Uh, sure. That actor is Vincent uh, Curatola. Vincent. Yeah, Google autocomplete got me there. Oh, yeah. This is, the, this is definitely the guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with cancer. Alright, got two answers for cancer. You guys are right. Died from lung cancer. The moment he stopped smoking, the moment he got lung cancer. I'm ready. Pretty rough. Okay, quest next question. Oof, this is gonna be hard this is hard to decipher because it's written uh, poorly. What did Tony stole when he was ten years old? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna reword that. What did Tony steal when he was ten years old? Here are your options: a bicycle, a baby doll, a car, a truck, baseball cards. Well, do we know from the movie now that it's the it's a truck because he stole the the ice cream truck? I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to this one. That would make sense. I don't remember if that's something they mentioned on the show, but could have been. Yeah, I don't know either. So. I would just go with the truck. Alright, two answers for a truck. Ooh, it's a car. Ugh. Which is <laughs> kind of bullshit, because it's pretty much you. the same thing. Yeah. Alright, well, still tied up. Okay, question ten. We got six more. Name of Adriana's dog. Your options are oh. Cassette, no. Charlotte, Charlie, Cosette. Or Corza. So we have Cassette, Charlotte, Charlie, Cosette, or Corza. Cosette is the name of the little girl from Les Mis. Hmm. 
but that's a French name. Would they dare not give the dog an Italian name? <laughs> right, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you guys that it's not cassette. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of figured. And it's not Charlie. Okay. So Charlotte, Cosette, Corza. It's one of those three. I would guess Charlotte. That's the one that jumped out to me. I'm going to go with Cosette, because I know that that's a real name. <laughs> it is Cosette. Yeah. <clears throat> Come on, Colin, you can't let Sean do this to you. He's got a one-point lead on you now. <laughs> You guys are both doing pretty good, though. I think you're both going to get into Tony's crew. Okay. Yes. In which year was the first episode of The Sopranos broadcast? I'm not going to give you guys a clue for this one. Yes. I want you to guess. It's 1999. Yeah. Best year ever. Matrix year. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was definitely 1999. Did they give you a crazy option like 1984? No, they're all... It's 97, 98, 99, 2001. Oh, this is an interesting one. What is Tony's tattoo on his right arm? Is it a jaguar, a lion, a tiger, a dog, or a wolf? Again, is it a jaguar, a lion, a tiger, a dog, or a wolf? I'm going to tell you guys I don't know the answer to this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you never see it that well. Mm. I'm not even really sure why they gave it to him. Was that like from getting made? Because James Gandolfini doesn't have that tattoo in real life. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So you said multiple big cats, right? You said like tiger. Jaguar, or... lion, tiger, and then the last two is dog and wolf. So I'm throwing those out. They wouldn't they wouldn't see that many big cats, so that it'd not be a big cat. Um Okay, here's my logic. Here's my logic. Jaguar. Uh, is kind of an obscure big cat. I think you. I think you would go for uh, the the big two, which is tiger and lion. Mm. Um, lion with his with his big bushy mane is definitely the leader big cat. But I think the Tony that's getting a tattoo is not uh, head of the family Tony. I think it's a younger, more violent Tony. But for that reason, I'm going with Tiger. I was also Tony the Tiger. I was also gonna go with Tiger for that <laughs> for that Fuck, specific I forgot about reason that. because of Tony the Tiger. <laughs> oh shit! You, you, you right, over we got two for we got two for Tiger. You overthought it. Yeah. I think I overthought it. <laughs> All right, locking in two for Tiger. You guys nailed it. It's yeah. Tiger. Got there with Fuck. different roots, though. <laughs> okay, I actually don't know. I don't think I know. No, I do know the answer to this next one. I'm pretty sure. Who said the quote, sometimes we're all hypocrites? Was it Tony, Meadow, Junior, Furio, or Jennifer? I think they mean Dr. Melfi. <laughs> Everyone calls her Jennifer. That is who they're referring to, right? I would assume so. 
Hmm. So again, the quote was, "Sometimes we're all hypocrites." Was it Tony Meadow Corrado, aka Junior Furio, or Jennifer? You tried to get all the voices. <laughs> yeah. Too many. <laughs> guess I'll, I'll guess Doctor Mills. Sometimes we're all hypocrites, Dad. No, I'm going with Jennifer. <laughs> okay. We got we got two for for Jennifer. Dr. Jennifer Melfi. <laughs> okay. Oh shit. It wasn't. It was Meadow. Hmm. I feel like I steered you guys wrong because I also thought it was Dr. Melfi. I thought that was her last line. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> well, I was yeah. thinking like there's a lot. There's a lot of opportunities for her to have said that, uh, but I, I was thinking especially of the the part where she gets, uh, you know, she she gets her own therapist and talks about wanting to, like, realizing that she could get Tony to, like, kill her rapist if she wanted to, mm-hmm. feeling guilty about that. Oh no, Melfi's last line was, um, "Since you're in crisis, I don't want to waste your time." Okay, we got three more questions left. Who said that if you can quote the rules, then you can obey them? Was it Federico, Junior, Steve? Wait, Corrado? But they already have Junior on here. Or Tony. (laughs) Okay, so it's not Junior. (laughs) Also, who's Federico? I didn't vet these questions well enough. Who said that if you can quote the rules, then you can obey them? I don't know this one either, guys. I am interested by the fact that Junior's on here twice. <laughs> Junior's on there twice. Either. We don't know who Frederico is. Who's the other option? Steve? I don't know who Steve, Steve is either. I don't know who any of these characters are. <laughs> and Tony, and Tony. Steve. All right, I'm going with Tony <laughs> by default. I guess I'll go with Tony also. I'm Googling everywhere to try to figure out who Steve is. I can't find it. Who the fuck is Steve? Sopranos character Steve. All I'm getting is actors named Steve. Steve Holt. Because there's multiple. There's there's Steven Van Zant, there's Steve Buscemi, and there's uh, Steve Sharippa who played Bobby. I'm sorry, what were you guys' answers? <laughs> Tony. Mm-hmm. Both Tony? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> they try to, to throw you off with that double junior. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't know what the deal with that was. Okay. At what age did Tony uh, Soprano commit his first murder? Was it 19, 20, 21, 23, or 25? This is fascinating. I don't know. <sighs> Um, the last question you guys are definitely gonna know too so okay all right so i just have to not agree with colin on this one you're going with 21 yep yeah i'll go with 19 okay so i guess that means is is sean gonna win or are you guys gonna tie (laughs) um because the last name the last question is what is the name of the strip club we already talked about it earlier. Yeah. Bada bing. Bada bing. So what age did you guys go with? 19. 21. 
It's 23! Ugh. Oh, no! Sean wins. Do I have to come up with a bonus Okay, question? okay. But there you go, John. There's your there's your proof that he didn't kill Dickie. Because he was not 23. According to the Ultimate Soprano <laughs> quiz. Oh, I should have come up with a... Uh, like a backup question or something. I feel like that's... Wait, like don't, you don't want to give me this win? It doesn't feel good to It's like, all Colin has to win this. No, I don't need I just wanted... <laughs> I just wanted it to come down. No, I just wanted it to come down to the last question for more drama. But yeah, yeah. unless 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 you don't think you know the answer of the strip club, is it the bada bing, the bingo bada, the big bang, the Buddha bingo, or the bang bang, or pie oh my, <laughs> or the lonely horse? You guys, you guys both know it. Um. Can we rename our podcast The Lonely Horse? <laughs> the Lonely Horse. Awesome. How many did you guys end up getting? I think... Oh, you both made it Tony's crew. Sean, you're higher up, though. You're uh, the Consigliore. Yeah. It's fine. You're, uh, you're the Silvio. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, and you can be Polly. All right, Someone who survives clean, undamaged. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Well, we did it. We talked about Many Saints of Newark. We took the ultimate Sopranos quiz, which you can go to, I already forgot what it's called, like funquizzes.net or whatever, some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I've been hacked now that I've gone there. It's the risky room. Yeah, and and next week we're doing no or whenever we get around to it because I'm gonna be traveling a bit, Colin. We're gonna be doing No Time to Die at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have Matt Carstens on for that one. Maybe <gasps> special guest. Special guest appearance. Yeah. Double O, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. If you like this podcast, you know, go to wherever you can find podcasts. You know, iTunes, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Check out our website, mylapiece.com. Mm-hmm. We're doing Shocktober now. Spooky yeah. fun. All sorts of good content coming at you. Does anyone have a Sopranos quote to go out on? All right, I'm just going to Google Sopranos quote and read the first one. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Believe